Welcome back to another episode of The Bold Platform. My name is Adrian, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. I created this podcast as a way to uncover stories of amazing Australian women and girls in every corner of the country who are chipping away and trying to leave their community a little bit better than how they found it through a social impact, a social enterprise, or a charity um, project. So today, I would love to welcome Danielle from Motherland daughter. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being here. So we're connected um, as we're all, most of us around the country right now are in some various level of quarantine or isolation. So Danielle Danielle and I are uh, connecting over the phone today. I'm based in Newcastle and Danielle is is down in isolation or in in lockdown with her brother (laughs) in their apartment in in, um, Victoria. So thank you for taking time out of your day to share a little bit more more um, of your story. So let's get straight into it. Let's let's chat um, all about motherless daughters. Sounds good. Thank you very much again for having me. So how did this initiative begin? Uh, I it started when I was twenty three uh, after I lost my mum. She she had a very rare form of cancer. Uh, She was diagnosed when I was 21 and still at uni. Um, And because my brother's nine years younger than me, the the responsibility of looking after her and taking her to and from treatments kind of fell on my shoulders. Um, While Dad stayed at home and kept Dean's life somewhat normal. And um, it was... It was just a really isolating time, I guess, because none of my friends had experienced anything like it. Mm. And then uh, when mum passed when I was 23, it was a whole new level of um, feeling isolated, I guess, because, again, all my friends still had their mum and my priorities changed and my perspective changed as opposed to theirs. So I really couldn't relate to a lot of... um, a lot of my friends at that point in time and really longed for somebody else, another girl who was my age in the same shoes as me without her mum. Mm. Uh, so for about a year really I madly searched the internet and tried to find any sort sort of source of support that I possibly could uh, and I, I did some grief counselling which helped to a certain degree, but at the end of the day, I was chatting away to somebody who was in their late 50s and who still had their mum. So that was a real barrier for me because in the back of my mind, I thought, how can you possibly understand Mm. how I feel and what I'm going through, not only now, but for the rest of my life? Um. And, and yeah, nothing, nothing online. And, and so that's when I really became quite passionate and determined to find somebody else. Um, and I was a, I joined a, just a general grief group on Facebook and put a little post in there and said, hi, I'm Danielle. I'm 24. Um, uh, is anyone, is there anyone else here who, who has lost their mum, I'd really like to connect. Mm. And that got shared quite a few times and a girl um, called Eloise got got back to me and said, 
yes, that's me, and I'd really love to connect. So um, met with her, and um, we we formed the the organisation together. And so, at that first, was that a face to face catch up when you first met? Yeah, it was. Uh, we we both decided we would meet just at a, a cafe nearby, mm. both of us. And I remember saying to her on in, on that morning, I said, "Oh, I've I've only got an hour and a half because I have I've got appointments and um, other things on throughout the afternoon." And and I ended up cancelling everything, and I was still sitting there with her for five or six hours. Oh my gosh, um, I just got goosebumps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was really um, it was really quite special and it provided a real sense of comfort and understanding mm. um, and for me it was the very first time that I was speaking to somebody my age who really understood mm. exactly what I was feeling. Um, Eloise was 13 when her mum died so you know 10 years younger than than what I was mm. but we were both the same age we found out you know we were the same age our birthdays are a day apart wow um, mums were the same age our dads are the same age so so many similarities to really um strengthen the connection I guess mm-hmm. and yeah as I said the first time I spoke to somebody who really understood what it was like to be a, you know a woman who was in her early 20s without without her mum and and facing life's milestones to come without without her mum. Yeah, definitely. So when you went to that coffee catch-up or all-day catch-up by the yeah. sounds of it, <laughs> did you both go there with the intention of just connecting and supporting or were you going there with the intention of like there's a gap in the in not the market but in the support space and and mm-hmm. we want to fill it or that sort of just evolved during the conversation? Yeah, no, I um I from from my findings or lack of findings mm. on the internet, I knew that, you know, there was no support out there specific to mother loss for women. And um that really it didn't sit well with me because I just thought surely there are other people in the same shoes as me who doesn't have adequate support. And so when I met with Eloise, I went with the intention of talking to her about my idea and, and kind of hoping that we got on really well and that mm. it was something that we might be able to look at doing together and I got more than I ever bargained for having met her. Well, you definitely had someone looking out for you and mm. finding a way or how, whatever you believe in or um, in terms of, you know, what happens in our lives and how much of that is fate and how much of it's meant to happen. There was sounds like there was... um something a bit bigger than all of us mm. connecting connecting you to. Yes, yeah. So yeah. when you sat down to chat and and you obviously sort of had this idea in your back pocket around um, creating a space, did you have in your mind what that looked like, that service or that support offering? Was it a, you know, face-to-face? Was it an online? Was it, you know, what did you have anything or you were just really open to connecting with someone and, and brainstorming from there? Yeah, look, I knew I knew at that point in time that I wanted to create a network of support. Mm. I wasn't 100% sure of what that looked like, but it definitely involved connecting with women in the same shoes. 
um, that was kind of the, the line that I kept using, women in the same shoes, mm-hmm. women in the same shoes, same issues, the same challenges. Um, so I, I did know that, yes, I wanted to form a network but wasn't 100% on how we do it or how we could do it or um, because Facebook back in 2012 when mum died and, and 2013, it wasn't it wasn't really as popular as it is today. Mm. So I wasn't thinking of Facebook as a, a key platform to connect women. Yeah. Um and I after chatting with Eloise and when she sort of agreed, yes, I really want to be involved in this, I, I started reaching out to other not for profit organizations that support women. Um and one of those was BCNA, the Breast Cancer Network Australia. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I was very naive and really didn't know what I was talking about at the time and I remember ringing these people and I would say, hi, my name's Danielle and I'm from Motherless Daughters Australia and I really want to chat to somebody about how I can go about setting up a network and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I ended up just pulling so much support from other women who were running these organisations mm. and um, Lynn Swinburne, who is the founder of BCNA, um, became uh, quite a, a mentor to me um, and helped set up the organisation in its early, very early stages and, and helped me model what it could potentially look like. Mm. Um, so I was really grateful to have her support because you know, BCNA is so successful in its in its um, support model mm. and, um, yeah, I guess that that's pretty much where the foundations came from. So when you and Eloise started to nut out, um, you know, what, what the business model or the offerings could look like, were you and her quite clear on, you know, I'll do this part or, or and you do that part in terms of your partnership, in terms of, you know, what your backgrounds and your skills already were, or was it just sort of grabbing whatever you could and rolling, you know, with the momentum? Um that's a great question and you know I've actually never really had um that type of conversation with her because Mm. we really just gelled so well and kind of knew where our strengths and weaknesses were because Mm. we just grew to know each other really well um I've got a teaching background okay and Eloise has um, worked in retail pharmacy so you know we we soon figured that our skill sets were totally different and complemented each other's as, yeah. as well. Um, and, you know, soon realised also that I'm very uh, structured and, uh, you know, I do things in steps to get from A to B, whereas Eloise is very creative um, and has the really good ideas that I don't necessarily have. So we we just without having a a formal conversation about who would do what, we kind of just, this is what we need to do, this is what needs to get done, and we just sort of grabbed bits and pieces and just worked our way through it. Sounds like a great partnership. Yeah, we're we're very lucky. We're Mm. really, really lucky. 
So fast forward now to 2020, what does motherless daughters look like in terms of the support and the services and the offerings that you are bringing to this quite well-established network now? Um, Today we have around 4,000 women in our network. Uh, We host uh, events to connect and unite women. They're really beautiful events. Um, And I guess... I guess the turning point that cemented in Eloise and and my minds was that we held our very first um, high tea event in 2017 and it was in the lead up to Mother's Day when when times are really difficult and challenging for women without their mum because, you know, it's very um, commercialised and there's Mm. promotions everywhere and, and so it's not only Mother's Day, but it's the lead up. And so we, we organised this high tea and this is before we had a Facebook page or anything, website, didn't have anything at all, just created this event on Facebook and shared it a few times. And we had 14 women turn up and mm. three of them came from interstate. Wow. Yeah, so that's when we kind of realised, wow, if women are spending you know, $600 on return flights to come to Victoria for this event. There must be a huge need for it. Mm. Um, and that really um, was when we got our aim to be and started to, you know, work really hard on it to establish um, the organisation. So fast forward to today, yes, a network of around 4,000 women. We are a a registered not-for-profit. We have, you know, we're complete with a board and governance. Uh, We have hosted events in four different states. We have an online support group that's got over 2,500 women. We have released a fact sheet. We have created our memories of mum journals for children Mm -hmm. aged four plus um, for boys and girls and uh, did that as a pilot program and we just we are developing our um, our support every day really and expanding our reach every day to 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 make sure we get to women in need Mm. Mm. the journals tell me a bit more about the the journals so the younger children and, and where that sort of need came from or yeah. the idea for that came from? Mm. Uh, when, I, when I've been teaching, um, I've come across across quite a number of kids who have lost their mum. Mm. And as an organisation, we were focusing on just women. But we quickly realised that children need their mum just the, the same. Boys and girls who are little kids need their mum in the same way. Um, And it's only kind of as we grow older and reach, you know, late teens and adulthood that the relationship between a mum and a son and a mum and a daughter is quite different and unique Mm. for both. Mm. Um, But, yeah, so realising that 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 relationship was um, much the same for boys and girls, uh, we realised we needed to offer something to, to children as a as a as a collective and we were we were gaining more 
and more interest from teachers, dads, aunties, uncles and grandparents um, who were in close contact with or carers of children who had lost their mum. And it was really breaking my heart having to say, no, 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 sorry, we we Mm. don't offer anything for support at this point in time. So I created this journal. It's just a 40-page journal and it's um, it's got writing prompts throughout it and mindfulness colouring in pages and blank spaces and so it's got things like what's your mum's name, write it in big bold letters, um, paste a photo of you and your mum, write a story about you and your mum. This can be true or made up, just various prompts throughout mm. and thought we would print 50 of them and trial it as a pilot program. Um, and we have sent out all fifty in a, in a, within a month. Wow! <laughs> um, and I've I've just finished going around and getting um, all the feedback from the recipients mm-hmm. from the adults, and the feedback has just been overwhelmingly positive and just glowing. Really, um, we know that it's helped children to. Ha- process their grief mm-hmm. um you know they'll they'll never be over it or they'll never forget but it's a way of helping them process the loss um it's it's helped facilitate conversations around their mum with between you know children and their primary carer or their grandparent um so we know that these conversations were quite difficult to have without the prompt and we know that it's it's provided a positive um, space and activity for children to focus their grief on. Um, it's given them a, a time to talk about their mum and a time to perhaps um, have a real focus, um, a, a focus on specifically working through their grief. What an incredible gift, like you said, not only for that child who you know, maybe doesn't have the vocabulary or the, um, you know, emotional processes to be able to articulate where they're at, but also for those around them that, you know, I'm sure all they want to do is love and support and take care of that young person, but them themselves don't have, Mm. you know, the tools in their toolkit to help them through that. And that can be frustrating for all of us when we try to support someone, but we, we don't, you know, we can't fix them sort of thing, but to be able to open up those conversations for their family or their carers to um, be able to help them manage, manage that grief. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that's, um, was, you know, largely the feedback that I was able to, um, receive from quite a lot of dads in Mm. particular. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Over the past, um, you know, four or three to four years since you first ran the um, the high tea, and before that, when you were supporting people, um, you know, outside of those face to face events, what what have you learned about the people that are you know like you were, um, you know, back in in 2012, 2013, sort of sitting online, googling, looking for things? What have you learned about the people that you support that has maybe surprised you or, or things that have maybe really of people that have really stuck with you? Um, that's a really good question. I, I have spoken with hundreds of women that mm. I've met through doing the events 
and um, over the phone also. And there's women who have been there right from the very start that came to that first event who come to all of our events and who are, we call them our gems. Mm. Um, and they have become like family, really. Uh, they're, you know, our some of our closest friends. And, and I guess um, having developed that close relationship with them now over the years, I've learnt that they were just like I was and that they were searching for something that wasn't out there and they were experiencing all of the same challenges that I was. Like, for example, when my friends used to whinge to me about their mums, I thought, oh, maybe I'm just being harsh or unreasonable or insensitive to what their um, issues were. But then when I speak to all these other women, they all find that really difficult to deal with as well. Mm. So I think having or knowing that there are, you know, and we only know, you know, around 4,000 of them, but there's so many other thousands of women out there in these shoes and knowing that there are literally hundreds of thousands, is there's something really comforting about that that says, what I'm feeling is okay, what they're feeling is okay, it's normal, it's validated mm. and we are we are all, um, you know, walking this path without the support of our mums and, and it's, it's not a nice feeling, it is tough but just having that validated is so powerful. Definitely. Mm. When you think about, um, you know, over those past years at the business and the the charity has been running, what are some of the times either yourself personally or we, in partnership with Eloise where you've thought, you know, maybe this is, maybe we've brought this as far as we can or, or there have been some of those sort of major hurdles that maybe have question, made you sort of question where you're at and, and if you can keep going with the charity? Uh, look, it's there have been times where it's quite emotionally taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for Eloise and I, we're we're constantly working on this, so we're constantly reminded that we don't have a mum, and not that we need a reminder to. Oh, yeah, that's right, mum's not here. Like it's not, it's not like that, but it's more so. We're so immersed in our grief and in everybody else's grief because we're advocating for thousands of other women um, and trying to build up this, you know, really beautiful, supportive network, support network for others. That's That has at times been very, very emotionally taxing and challenging mm. and to the point where, you know, you just kind of want to ring mum and say, oh, this is so stressful today or, you know, oh, my gosh, I spoke to a five-year-old girl today whose mum was killed in a house fire last week, um, you know, and you get you get so emotionally involved in, in each and every single one of them that... Mm it can be very challenging at times to continue with it. And there have been times where I've thought maybe I'm burnt out. Yeah. Um, maybe I need to have a break. Mm-hmm. 
but I mean that only ever lasts for a day because then I I get onto the support group and I actually see that this organization is saving people's lives Mm. you know we've had women who were suicidal who are not suicidal anymore because they've been able to access support um We've had women turn up to our events and we've had increasing numbers in every state every year and it is the most humbling um, opportunity to see, physically see how this network is helping absolute strangers come together and for some it's the very first opportunity that they have ever had to speak openly and honestly about their mum and their loss. Mm. Uh, without judgment or fear of being shut down or or talking to people who are feeling uncomfortable about speaking about death yeah. grief and loss yeah so yeah to answer your question there ha- there has there's aspects of it that have made me question as a result of being emotionally exhausted mm. but when you see how much it's helping people it's it's all it's so rewarding and it's you know, there's we are so passionate and we will not stop and we cannot stop until we reach every every woman and um, girl and little boy and girl who who need us. On those days where it does get too much and and you know, as you mentioned, having being able to pick up and the phone and having a chat with mum, unfortunately, you know, for people like yourself and Eloise, is it an option? How do you look after yourself how do you keep going and how do you sort of get up and get go the next day after after those lower days yeah uh, well I call Eloise and Eloise calls me (laughs) (laughs) um and we both have really supportive partners Mm -hmm. um I'm extremely close to my brother uh so I talk to him about everything Mm -hmm. um got an incredibly supportive board so I I call them and I'll talk to some of those Uh, I hate exercise so I never use that as an outlet Um, (laughs) I love the honesty (laughs) yeah no a walk doesn't help me a run oh my god no um no sometimes I'll just have a shower to be Mm -hmm. honest yeah um but mostly I'll, I'll call my core group of, I'll call on my core group of support people to mm. just, you know, say whatever I need to say. And, and most often it's just, it's just a bad day and the sun always comes up the next day and it's always a brand new day. And, um, yeah, you just, I, I just find sometimes you have to take, each day as it comes and some days are going to be harder than others and you just have to roll with it and do the best you can. Mm, absolutely. I can't even, as someone who is uh, fortunate enough to still have my mum in my life, I can't um, I can't even imagine what those days would like without being able to call someone. But it's so beautiful to hear that your brother and you have that relationship and obviously there's some um, you know, some experiences that you've been through, albeit at, at different ages, similar to you and Eloise, that would bond you together like you couldn't bond with other people in terms of not mm. having been through those same experiences. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, there's a real there's a real power in identification and what it can provide for people 
Mm, absolutely. I wanted to ask you a little bit um, from a more commercial or a more business side. Um, it, do yourself and Eloise work on, um, you know, a funded model or is it more around donations and fundraising? How do you um, fund the organisation so you can continue to do this incredible work and, um, you know, sustain the sustain the business side of it? Yeah, at the moment, Eloise and I are purely just volunteering our mm-hmm. time um, and we've got absolutely every hat on our heads. <laughs> uh, we're we're the, the admin, we're the marketing people, we're the social media people, mm-hmm. events coordinators, everything. Um, and we, we have just relied on donations mm-hmm. um, up until... Well, to date, uh, we are looking at um, securing funding this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've just finalised our s- strategic plan, um, which identifies the key strategic priorities that we'll be focusing on for the next three years. So that's really helpful in um, going and securing some funding now that Absolutely. we've got some real focus points. Yeah. Um, but for things like the journals, so to have those um printed and the postage costs we we've just relied on on donations and um I I don't know if it's surprising or not I can't figure out if I'm surprised by it or not surprised by it but a lot of our donations have actually come from dads of adult women who have come to our events I was going to ask you yeah, yeah is it more sort of the women that you're supporting or is it just general members of the public that are donating um yeah look a, a bit of both but the majority of the donations have come from dads who have seen what a difference the organization has made in in their daughter's life or in their children's lives who who the ones that have received a journal um isn't that beautiful it's but yeah it's it's been quite emotional actually mm. um knowing that that's where the majority of it has come from yeah. And, you know, like we've had a couple of um, local sport clubs or mm-hmm. um, committees have a fundraising mm-hmm. night for us. So we have um, been able to raise some funds through other avenues. Uh, but um, we've, we've now got DGR status, which mm-hmm. means we can receive donations um, that are tax deductible. That's uh, great. Yeah, so that's a whole other story in itself. (laughs) Getting the charity status, yeah. Oh yes, I've heard some stories, some 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 uh, women that have come out the other end with a lot more grey hair, (laughs) but the charity status. That's me. (laughs) Oh gosh, yeah. What is coming up for you, Danielle, that um, you're excited about for you know yourself and for motherless daughters? Oh, look, I'm just excited about securing some funding this year so that Mm. we can do everything we possibly can to reach every person in need of our support um, because there there is little research out there, but, you know, there's not much. There is a little bit um, and we know that mother loss causes significant distress and um, particularly premature mother loss Mm -hmm. um, can cause, um, can can affect 
the development and growth of, you know, physical, emotional, social and spiritual um, growth and well-being. Um, we know that it, it creates a loss of identity. Mm-hmm. We know that it, it creates isolation and that it, it can um, induce anxiety and depression. Um, so I'm just really looking forward to being able to reach everybody um, who is in need and, and those who will need us um, in time to come as well mm. um, and, and being able to conduct some research as well. In the next three years we're going to um, do some research and I'm very excited about that because, uh, you know, th- there's quite a lot of um, oh, opinion, I guess, from people that, oh, well, but, you know, everybody's mum has to die <laughs> and yeah. and I think yeah that's right and hopefully when they're an old lady in their sleep they die and that mm. that's you know that's when everybody has to die when they're old but when mm. you have a young mum in her 30s who dies from breast cancer or from domestic violence or I don't know a road trauma and and she leaves behind young children mm. or kids in their teens or young you know women in their early 20s 30s before before you've been able to go through all of the milestones that life has to offer it is extremely damaging and I'm really looking forward to having the research and the evidence to back what we're doing and why so that people stop making ridiculous comments like that Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, not everyone has the privilege of, of, of watching their mother grow to be an old, an older lady and living, you know, right on through to her eighties and nineties and beyond. That's an absolute privilege. It's not, it's not just a given. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's devastating at any age when your mum dies. It, it really is. I think the mother daughter bond is so unique and so special and, um, you know, something I've had to realise is that, oh, not not realise, I kind of knew it, but I was quite um, naive when it came to perhaps realising this. Mm. But not everybody has a fantastic relationship with their mum and that's mm-hmm. just as damaging in itself. Yeah. Because we know that the relationship is so unique and when a, a mother is not there to provide emotionally, um, that has its own set of challenges and difficulties that have, you know, extreme effects mm. on on the children involved. And that flow-on effect, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. If people are listening, Danielle, and they want to support the work that you and Eloise are doing and, and find out more about you, where is the best place for them to to support you and, and to find out additional information and potentially come to, you know, one of your events when we're allowed to be in more than groups mm. of two? <laughs> yes. Um, so our website is motherlessdaughters.com.au mm-hmm. um, and that has all the information on it or alternatively we're on Facebook just mm-hmm. under Motherless Daughters Australia. Um, that's where our support group is as well for women to join. Mm. Um, and we're, we're also on Instagram, Motherless Daughters AU. And if people are wanting to um, support the work that you're doing from a financial point of view, they're able to do that through the site as well? Yes, that's correct. 
Okay, excellent. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm sure that it probably doesn't get any easier anytime you have to talk about um, not having your mum in your life, for both yourself and Eloise, but I think the work that you're doing for women of all different ages and, and children and the, their families is absolutely incredible. So I wish you lots of luck with the next couple of years and securing that funding and also, um, you know, sending lots of love to you and your community for Mother's Day, which is coming up very, very soon. I know that you're doing some um, work around the Motherless Daughters Awareness campaign, and I just want to send you lots of love and support for that initiative and for Mother's Day and, and not just Mother's Day, but just all the days when you're feeling, um, feeling that loss. Oh, what beautiful words, Adrian. Thank you so much. It's just that's that's really lovely. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on to the show and spending the afternoon um, chatting with us. Thank you to everybody who has listened to today's episode. Please jump on to motherlessdaughtersaustralia.com. Um, no, sorry, motherlessdaughters.com.au <laughs> and, and support the work um, that, um, that Danielle and Eloise are doing, however you can, whether that's through a financial donation, through supporting their events, by sharing this story with um, you, this episode with someone who you know might be able to use a bit of the support and you haven't ever really been sure on how to broach that topic with them. You know, maybe this episode could be that icebreaker that you could send to a, a friend or a colleague or someone in your world that um, might be able to, to utilize the support of motherless daughters. So um, thank you again, Danielle, for coming on the show and for all the work that you're doing in this space. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm.